Greetings and welcome to Be Your Own Healer. I'm Jeanette Murray and I have a topic to talk about that relates to all of us at some time in our life and for some more often than is preferred. The topic is illness and more specifically how we can heal ourselves through spiritual attunement. I'm not going to mention any particular healing practice or modality, and I'm not going to speak for or against any healing methods, whether they be derived from Western medicine, Eastern tradition, Native American, or any indigenous society's practices. All of these are valid and important and all serve a purpose. Rather, I'm going to talk about how we as beings that are composed of body, mind, and spirit. And as such, we must learn to heal ourselves on all levels, the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. In 2022, 83.4% of adults had a visit with a doctor <clears throat> or other healthcare professional according to the CDC. It was 10% higher for children. The number of visits was 1 billion. We know that the human body is anything but perfect and is subject to disease, accidents, injuries, and deterioration from age. We might liken the physical body to an engine that requires fuel in order to run. Depending on the type of fuel, it may run at peak efficiency or it may run sluggishly or inconsistently, going to between bouts of poor health and improved health. The advantage an engine has is that it can be replaced if it breaks down completely and can no longer run. The human body doesn't have that advantage. It's no surprise that the better the fuel, the better the engine will run. I'll never forget the surprise I had when someone told me to put 93 octane, no ethanol gas in my lawnmower and weed eater, they ran like charms after that. It also doesn't take any great scientific knowledge to understand that the better the food we ingest, the healthier the body will be. Likewise, the more unhealthy the food and beverages we ingest, the less healthy the body will be. This includes anything we put into our body, whether it be poor food, certain types of drugs, alcohol, or other chemicals. I'm not saying we have to refrain from any vices at all times, but it's best to practice moderation. In other words, less is better. Of course, the ideal would be full abstinence from harmful substances. Our bodies become ill for a number of reasons. We may have an accident, an injury, we may contract a virus, develop a bacterial infection, a toxin may enter via the foods or liquids we ingest, or we may carry the genetic code for a disease in our DNA. We may also become ill because of stress. It's important to understand that all of life involves stress, and we do a pretty good job of managing it most of the time. However, if extreme stress is prolonged, our body defenses wear out, and soon the immune system cannot put up a good fight and function properly to ward off illness. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Have you ever known anyone who always catches the latest cold or flu or stomach virus going around? Their immune system is sitting on the sidelines while the badass players are busy at work wreaking havoc in the body. Stress has been called the number one killer, and that's because it wears us out, depletes our resources, affects us both physically and emotionally, and renders us susceptible to the whatever that's going around. Then we fall ill, and guess what happens next? For the temporary amount of time we're down with whatever, we give the body the rest it needs. We limit the amount of stress we have to cope with and we allow the body resources to kick in and heal us. There are probably a million reasons why we become ill, and the majority of them are due to prolonged and severe stress in our life. The fact is, until we can manage all kinds of stress and not let it deplete our resources, the sicker we will be. But stress isn't always something outside of us such as that found in a job or because of family issues or losses, lack of resources, accidents, misfortunes, and so on. Stress is also generated by our minds. We create our own stresses by the way we think. Let me give you an example. Pete was always striving to do his best. The problem was because of his learning disability, he often fell short of his goal, and it would frustrate and worry him so much that he'd failed to show up at work. And as this pattern continued, he lost job after job. Pete often thought that if he had a real disability, one that people could see, he might have it easier because people wouldn't expect him to perform so well and would even appreciate whatever effort he put into his work. Pete eventually was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis that became so bad there were days he couldn't get his hands to work and he walked with a cane. He jokingly called himself a crippled old man even though he was only in his 40s. Things got better for him work-wise. People were understanding and sympathetic and bosses even cut him slack whenever he was having a particularly bad day. Did Pete's thinking have anything to do with his condition? I'll leave that up to you to decide. With all the opportunities we have to become ill, it seems that we are doomed from the start. But this isn't necessarily true and is certainly not the kind of mindset we want to have. We have a responsibility to safeguard our health through all the methods we know about none of which are new or surprising, even though some might feign ignorance of them when it comes to making healthy choices. These common knowledge things are proper diet and nutrition, adequate exercise, management of stress, and right thinking. Whoa, our thinking? How does thinking play into this? Let me explain. Many in our society seem to believe that there is a pill or a remedy for just about everything. Therefore, it's not so important to work at keeping the body healthy. For example, it's common knowledge today that the amount of salt we ingest has a direct effect on blood pressure. Yet, 
There are many who prefer not to limit their salt intake, but take a pill instead to control their blood pressure. Type 2 diabetes is the same story. It's been proven that a plant-based diet can completely reverse this condition, and yet many would rather take a pill than do what it takes to change this condition. And when the pill stops working, they resort to insulin. Let's face it, we're a pill and drug taking society. And it's because we've been so well trained to believe in the dictum, there's a pill for everything. The only problem is most medications have side effects. If not in the short term, then definitely in the long term. Whatever happened to the dictum first, do no wrong, do no harm. I'm not saying don't take what your doctor prescribes, but find out if there are healthier alternatives. You have to do this on your own because the medical world, for the most part, won't support you in this. And your doctor simply doesn't know because if he or she is a Western trained doctor, they will have followed a specific type of training, one that does not include diet and nutrition and alternative healing methods. I believe that's changing today, and it's about time. The human mind is a very powerful creative force in terms of either producing illness or health. How? Well, here's a story. I once knew someone who was so convinced that she was truly ill that even if she had a sniffle, she'd run to the doctor, get a remedy of some kind, go home and try it, and guess what? It never worked. No matter what the doctor prescribed, she would return complaining that it had no effect or it made her worse. Being ill was her reason for being, and she was bound and determined not to let anything interfere in her chronically ill pattern. The result was that she limited herself to where she could go and where she wouldn't catch anything. She wore a mask every time she set foot out of her house, and she lived a rather lonely life because friends and family stayed away. The interesting thing about this was that she never, ever once came down with a real illness, not even the pandemic. Sniffles and a slight cough were her chronic symptoms. This told me that her immune system was really working at peak efficiency, and yet, in her mind, she was always sick. It's wonderful to know that the mind has so much power over us, but only if we learn to use it properly. Many don't even connect thoughts with their physical reality or understand that through our thinking, we create our reality. And yet there is a direct and powerful connection. Let me give you an example. A woman had been in a car accident and her hand became crippled with her thumb sticking straight out to the point where she could not bend it or her other fingers. Her doctor suggested surgery, but she didn't want to go that route. She decided to go to a shaman who looked at her, grabbed her by the thumb and gave it a tug. Instantly her hand returned to normal and her thumb went back into place. She could move it and use it and bend her thumb and fingers normally. But she couldn't believe that a cure could be that simple 
So she went back to the doctor and he told her there was nothing physically wrong with her hand, but she might experience some arthritis due to the injury. Within days, her fingers were twisted and she felt pain. She went back to the doctor who was surprised the arthritis had set in so quickly. So he gave her a cortisone shot. When it wore off, she went back to the shaman who told her both she and the doctor were crazy, but she was crazier because she believed him. He told her to go home, soak her hand in warm salt water and the arthritis would leave. She did, and just as he said, there was no more pain or swelling or stiffness. She went back to her doctor and he told her it would be a matter of time before the arthritis would return. And are you getting the idea? You can just imagine the cycle that ensued from then on. The woman's mind was that powerful and susceptible to suggestion. She believed what these two healers were telling her, and her mind in turn followed suit and manifested the result. Suppose she had believed that only surgery would have helped, or that no one could have helped her. Those of us who depend on medicines and doctors come to rely on them. We, they cease being agents of their own health and well-being. They surrender to the authority of the doctor or whoever the healing agent may be, not realizing that they have the power to be their own best healer if they only knew and practiced it. Again, I'm not saying don't go to a doctor if you need to, of course not, but be careful not to become so dependent that you give up your own free will and your body's own built-in defenses that enable your own ability to heal. The other side of this are those who refuse any medical treatment whatsoever. It's an equally bad habit to acquire. Refusing medical help can be very costly. A person could do serious harm by not consulting a doctor. Think about it if you break your arm. Common sense tells you to have it set properly so it will grow back straight again. Ultimately, it's not the plaster cast or the gauze that healed the arm. It's the mind doing the healing because with the arm immobilized and straightened, one does not question that healing is taking place. The bones knit together and in time, the cast comes off and there's the arm back working again. Believe it or not, I heard of a man who did just the opposite. He broke his arm, wrapped tape around it, refused to see a doctor, and his arm never healed properly. In time, infection set in, and the arm had to be amputated. It simply doesn't make sense to ignore a problem, thinking it will just take care of itself, or to use the DIY method when a doctor is readily available to do it right. When we ignore the laws of the body, we get sick. If we want a life of good physical health, just as we want a car to run well for as long as possible, we take good care of it. But what most people do is run to a doctor at the first sign of illness or dysfunction 
and take whatever medicine is proffered. When that medicine has side effects, we go back and get more medicine to counter the side effects. This is how most people take care of their health. Maybe it's just me, but that simply doesn't make sense. Rarely are we taught that we are responsible for our illnesses. Let me pause here for a moment to say, this is not to blame, only to explain that we can improve our health and overcome illness with proper self-care and self-maintenance and by treating the body with a proper mental attitude. I'm not suggesting or recommending any specific diet or spiritual practice or religion, only that we need something that is outside our physical our physical self to help us tune in to a higher vibration. If chanting affirmations is your thing, then do it. If lighting candles and praying the rosary or bowing to Mecca or climbing mountains are preferable, do them. If practicing yoga and meditating is your bag, do it. Don't just sit around focusing on illness and helplessness. Mental concentration and a focus on healing is the best thing you can do for your body once you've covered all the other bases. Having faith is also a big part of healing. It's important to acknowledge that struggles Difficulties and illnesses are there for a reason. They are trials we must endure in order to learn and progress. It's not always a fluke or a mistake that we are sick. We may be perfectly on track and the illness may be perfectly timed and necessary for us in order to learn something important. My belief is that the harder the trial the more serious the illness, the greater the lesson is that must be learned. By succumbing to illness with a negative, defeatist attitude, you are not only feeding the illness, but creating an additional mental disturbance. Even in illness, it's possible to keep the mind positive and focused on strength and healing. So how do we find attunement? Or who or what do we attune with? There's no one way for everyone. You may find it in Mohammed, Christ, Buddha, Krishna, a saint, a yogi, a priest, a shaman, a chiropractor, a holy person, or just go straight to the source, God. If you choose to go through organized religion, find a faith community. And if you're already in one, rely on it to help support you through difficult times, such as illnesses or injuries. Ask for prayer. If you're like me and believe that spirituality does not belong to or depend on any particular religion, then find the spiritual practice that works for you and practice it. The point is we have to rely on a power outside of ourselves to achieve the goal of healing. It's entirely a personal choice 
and it's up to us to find our path. Once you've found it, attune with it. Attunement means to bring into harmony or to make aware or responsive. When we attune with something or someone higher and more evolved, we harmonize our vibration with theirs. In other words, we uplift ourselves and the result is a feeling of comfort, peace, often joy, and sometimes bliss. There's nothing like illness to lower us down to the deepest and darkest vibrational levels. So it behooves us to try and attune ourselves to something higher when we're at our lowest. And when we're not at our lowest, enjoy the benefits of attunement just because, well, because it feels great. The idea is to uplift yourself during your lowest times. If meditation isn't your thing, read uplifting or inspiring books or articles. Listen to uplifting podcasts. Talk to positive people. If you like meditating, do it as best you can when you're ill. Experiencing the relief from stress and the calming of the body, which in turn promotes the healthy functioning of the immune system. When you learn and know how the mind works, you can bring it under your control. Mind power is not a simple thing. It works very subtly and it works in everything. It's why drugs and placebos work. The mind believes in them and doesn't question. It's both a good thing and a not so good thing because pharmaceutical companies rely on this mindset to sell more and more pills and push more and more vaccines. In just these few examples, we can appreciate how the mind plays an important role in the experience of disease and in healing. There are some illnesses that serve a real purpose. Think about your own life. Have you ever used illness as an excuse for not showing up for a test or going to work or attending a social gathering you really dreaded going to? Sure you have. We sometimes rely on illness to either avoid something unpleasant or to gain attention. Some people make a career out of being ill, believing they are more susceptible, weaker, or just more unfortunate than others. If you know anyone like this, I'm sure you found they're not a joy to be around. Karma or cause and effect is another reason why we become ill. It's a means of paying off some past action that was not in keeping with the laws of the universe. We may have poisoned someone by our actions. We may have left someone sick to suffer and die or did not render aid to someone in need. Or we, have, we may have neglected or abused our own bodies to the point that they could no longer function. There are myriad reasons for karma, and it's not important to know the exact reason or action that generated the karma. Rather, that it's there for a reason, and we can accept it and know 
we're paying off a karmic debt. It's not cheating to ask for help in getting through it either. If we look at suffering this way as a just and rightful event, not as a punishment, but as payback for something we did, we can have an attitude of surrender and even gratitude for the lesson being learned. When people are sick, and it doesn't matter if it's mental or physical, they want one thing, healing. They want to get out of that state of suffering as quickly and efficiently as possible. But what if they were to stop and think, what is this sickness teaching me? What can I take away from this? Once when I was going through deep depression, I knew exactly what the karmic debt was about. And as much as I didn't want to suffer, I knew it had to happen and had to run its course. It wasn't fun, but the result was a deepening of love and compassion and an understanding I could never have gotten any other way. Usually we run to the latest cure, the latest pill on the market. Rarely do we run to the coach or therapist who will assist us on our journey back to physical and mental health. Sometimes we run to God or a higher power and pray fervently for healing, often with limited results. But rarely do we say, this is happening for a reason. And whatever lesson is there to be learned, I ask for the strength and endurance to learn it. This is what is meant by spiritual healing. We're not so fixated on getting rid of the illness or abnormality, but concentrating on what we need to learn in order to grow spiritually from the experience. A man I worked with had a problem with gout, and when it flared up, he was in severe pain. He once showed me his big toes, and they looked like inflamed red balloons. His doctor gave him medicines and suggested he change his diet and avoid the foods that caused high acidity in the blood, which led to the gout. He brushed off the advice, saying his whole family had gout. It ran in the family. He then finished his breakfast of two donuts and a can of Mountain Dew and returned to work. I'll share another story with you. A man's wife was dying, and he was very upset and calling upon the spiritual beings he believed would save her and keep her alive. He prayed and practiced all of the things he'd learned, but to no avail. When his wife didn't get better and finally died, his belief was shaken. He no longer believed in any spiritual practice. He gave up his faith and was bitter and angry. Had his wife been healed, he would have attributed to divine intervention and a great blessing and would have praised and thanked Allah for the blessing. But he failed to see that her death was also divine intervention and a great blessing. She was out of suffering. She was free. The best way to understand what attunement is, is to think about going to a party in a not so good mood and sitting around with a group of people who are having a lively discussion about a topic that really interests you. And as the discussion goes on, 
you find that these people think the same way you do. They have the same opinions and the same insights. Pretty soon someone says something funny and everyone bursts into laughter. You're all experiencing attunement and it's a good feeling. When we talk about spiritual attunement, it's very similar. It's a feeling of being right where we want to be, enjoying the communion we're having with a power outside ourselves. It brings relief, joy, calmness. It's sometimes indescribable. If you've ever been involved in deep meditation or prayer or have participated in a chanting session, a kirtan, or a musical interlude that moves you, these are all types of attunements. You feel uplifted and less mired in your physical being, more part of a higher spiritual calling. I call it your higher self or soul. If you've never had such an experience, try this. Take a walk in the woods and attune with the trees around you. Stop for a moment. Put your hands on the tree. Feel the energy flowing through it. Feel the hardness and strength of the tree. Look up and see the loftiness of its branches and feel the spirit of the tree. You might even talk to the tree and tell it how wonderful and strong it is. We can all do this. There's nothing strange or mystical about it. Although if a hiker happens by, you might want to hold off until you're alone again. Let's say you've been meditating and you've experienced the moments where you felt you were in a different space, a quieter, calmer, and intensely non-physical space. Perhaps you felt attuned to something bigger, more special, a higher power, a spirit guide, or God, and it made you feel awesome. This is also an example of spiritual attunement. So how do we know when we are in tune with something outside ourselves? Usually it's a feeling of great calmness, then peace, often a feeling of joy or elation, <clears throat> sometimes even a sense that we're not in our bodies anymore. If you haven't felt such an experience yet, you have something to look forward to. If this has not been your experience, but something less than pleasant happened, like you weren't feeling joy, but dread and fear or mental unrest, one of two things may be happening. You may not have been able to turn off your mind and focus within, or you may be tuning into something of a lower nature, something negative. If such is the case, bring your mind back and ask whoever you go to for inner guidance to help you stay focused. Then put up a shield of light around you to keep out the interfering negative energies. Above all, don't give up. In this mental state of attunement, you may put out a request for healing, for strength, for coping ability, or for energy to carry on. I find it interesting how so few people I work with appeal to a higher power when they need help. I'm pretty much the opposite. I keep my non-physical guides working 24-7 and they don't seem to mind it. 
I'm not saying they answer every request immediately, but they do respond in their own time and in their own way. I'll share a funny story with you. I lost something that was very precious to me. I put out the request for help, and I mean I beat the doors down trying to get it, and it didn't come. Then I thought, well, maybe I just need to surrender and let go of this attachment. Maybe somebody else found it and it's meant to be theirs. It hurt a little, but I got over it and went about my business, no longer begging for help. Two days later, I found it in a very unlikely place. Like I said, in their own time and in their own way. When you're sick, you might try asking for something other than healing. You might try asking for the strength and power to deal with the illness. A nurse friend who worked in a hospital told me that her patient, an elderly woman, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. She was a woman of strong faith and she was praying one evening when the nurse walked into her room. The woman turned to her smiling sweetly and said, I'm praying for the grace to handle this. She wasn't praying for a cure or freedom from pain, but just for the strength she needed to get through the battle. Remember, you're not just a body. You have a soul that's really the important thing about you. The body is only temporary. The soul is not. The soul rides around in this body and when the body can no longer be maintained, it quits and the soul moves on. Your soul is different from your body. Your soul by nature is already attuned to the divine. So why do you sometimes feel so disconnected and, and unable to feel the presence of the divine? That's because you're so caught up with the drama your body goes through. You forget there's a whole other part of you that exists. Sometimes the demands of the body overshadow the presence of the soul. There are many obstacles that get in our way of tuning into our higher self or soul that interfere in our healing. These obstacles can be beliefs that limit or flow, limit or block the flow of energy. They can be emotions that cause us to feel trapped and unable to experience the healing that we desire. Some examples of these limiting or blocking beliefs are, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve to be healed. I deserve to suffer. I'm a bad person. I can't be forgiven or I'm insignificant. And I'm sure there's hundreds more like these, but the point is, these limiting beliefs are like dials in the control center of the brain that turn down the flow of positive energy and make us susceptible to and subject to illness. Their lower vibrational or negative energy blocks the flow of energy so that the body, which has a natural ability to heal, cannot function normally. Emotions do the same thing. Suppose you're absorbed in emotions of worry, fear, and dread, or anger, 
The illness doesn't even have to be a serious one. But if you're dreading the worst, the energy output is low, sluggish, and not conducive to healing. Here's another analogy. Imagine your body and its energy system is like a river. On a good day, you're kayaking down the river without a care in the world, enjoying the ride. Then you come upon a beaver dam. You can't get past it. Your mood suddenly changes. You grudgingly get out of the water and drag the kayak out. Now you have to carry it all the way back the way you came. The fun is over and it's all drudgery. You can't even appreciate the walk or the scenery or the birds singing. Your mood is low and the flow of positive, positive energy literally stopped and is now flowing in the opposite way. Negative, regretful, angry, and self-pitying. You might even start blaming others for not warning you about the beaver dam. There's still energy flowing through you, but it's low vibrational and negating the whole process of getting back to your starting point. When you finally do get back, someone asks you about the ride and how much you enjoyed it, and you say it isn't worth it because of the beaver dam. And here's the kicker. The person laughs and tells you they had the same experience. So they pulled their kayak out, walked a little further down past the dam, and got back in. Now you've compounded your negative mood by cursing yourself for not having thought of this. Do you see what your thoughts and emotions can do? It's been proven over and over again by doctors and scientists and psychologists that positive thinking, which means flowing positive energy through the body, directly affects the body's ability to heal. One aspect of positive energy is humor or laughter. The expression of humor has a way of reducing stress, which in turn allows the brain to function better and release the healing hormones and neurotransmitters you need in order to get better. This was proven by Norman Cousins, from whom we get the quote, laughter is the best medicine. Cousins, a journalist and professor, developed his own method of healing after he was diagnosed with a serious crippling illness. He made it a point to laugh and find humorous things to read and think about every day for at least 10 minutes. And he succeeded in healing himself, much to his doctor's amazement. Please understand that when I talk about healing, I'm not referring to terminal illness in which there's little or no hope for recovery. Although there have been cases of miraculous healings, even at such times, which are not to be discounted. The process of dying is also as natural as the process of living. But even at these times, a person has a choice of thinking thoughts of worry, fear, regret, anger, or dread, or looking forward to the release from a body that is no longer able to sustain life a passage to a new adventure for the soul. I heard a story once of a woman who was dying of ALS who remained mentally strong and positive 
even as her body was deteriorating daily. When a nurse asked her how she did it, how she maintained such a positive attitude, her response was merely, we all have to die somehow. While she had no control over her body whatsoever, she had complete control over her mind. That's the kind of attitude that enables us to get through the hardest struggles and difficulties and even the worst kinds of pain. Getting through illness or coping with chronic illness is a lesson in bravery. No one wants to suffer or be debilitated, but we all face such things at one time or another. Being attuned to a higher power bolsters bravery and promotes an attitude of being able to cope and endure whatever difficulties or illnesses will bring. If you are wondering how to go about attuning yourself to the healing energy available to you, here's a simple exercise to do when you have about 15 to 20 minutes. You can do this sitting or lying down. Begin by taking slow, deep breaths, calming the restless mind and slowing down your body's energies. Focus your attention on the breath as it comes in and goes out of your lungs. With each breath, feel and think that life force, healing energy, light and love are flowing through you. Think of a color you associate with healing. It may be green or pink or red-violet. Imagine this color energy circulating through your body, filling every cell, then spreading out around you, enveloping you in a large egg-shaped bubble of healing light. Allow yourself to feel and absorb its peace, its love, its healing energy. Feel yourself floating in this bubble of healing energy as it buoys you up and you feel weightless and free of any body restrictions. Feel and know that you are being suspended in a comfortable energy field made of healing light. Feel and know that this energy is entering your soul, uplifting you, soothing and comforting in its strength, making you feel whole and at one with it. Imagine this beautiful light energy filling you and surrounding you, shielding you from any experience of pain or illness. 
bask in this healing energy for as long as you would like, taking time to feel gratitude for its presence, fully aware and accepting of its power to enable your body and mind to heal. Think to yourself or whisper out loud, I am one with the healing light of God, of source, of the universe. I live, move, and have my being in this healing light. I am free from all that is not for my highest good. I am free of all discomfort. I am free to heal. You may now just relax into this experience, taking all the time you need to feel it moving through you, experiencing healing on all levels. If you wish, you may fall asleep now and this energy will remain circulating through you as you sleep. Or if you wish to end the exercise and get up, do so gradually and slowly, gently bringing yourself back until you feel ready to sit or stand up. Know that even as you resume your activities, this energy is flowing through you. You may do this exercise as often as you like, even change some of the wording or add new colors to your imaginings. Allow new insights to enter your mind. If at times you find it difficult to relax your restless muscles, do a five minute tension relaxation exercise, starting at your feet and going all the way up to your head tensing for a few seconds and releasing the tension in all the muscles of your body. When you feel sufficiently calmer and more relaxed, proceed with the visualization. It's very important not to evaluate your performance or put energy into any thoughts that are self-critical. You're doing your very best and that is enough. Finally, begin to form a new relationship with yourself, your mind, and your body. Fill this relationship with the utmost love and compassion. There's no room for self-doubt or self-criticism. You're joining with your beloved self. You are the master of your existence. God source, or the power of the universe is with you. You have the inner strength that comes from your attunement with higher power to attain whatever it is you want. Healing, coping ability, understanding, self-acceptance, courage, and self-love. I hope this has been of benefit to you. For more help with this subject, please feel free to check out my website, 
www.healwithjeanette.com and that's Jeanette with two N's. There you'll find more podcasts and hypnosis recordings that may assist you on your path toward healing and greater self-awareness. I wish you all the best on your healing journey and extend to you my deepest appreciation that you've made it to the end of this podcast. Take care, God bless, and let's meet again soon. Namaste. I bow to the divinity in you.